Mama, a word that we all know, a word some of us hear a thousand times a day, and some are anxiously waiting for. It's a title accompanied by immense joy, deep loss, and hearty laughter. We love mamas. We love your strength and your sacrifice. We honor your easy days and the days where you hide in the closet. Because we have them too. We know that moms need moms. That's where we come in. And the best part is, you can show up in your messy buns and your sweatpants and we'll never know. In fact, we're probably in ours too. We hear you and we want to connect with you. This is your community. We want you to know that motherhood is important. Motherhood is valuable. The work you do each day matters. So welcome to our sisterhood. Welcome to our circle. Welcome Welcome to to the the mamahood. Welcome back to the Mamahood Podcast. I'm Marin Drew Bay here, joined by Diane Bowden from the Minimalist Mom Podcast. Welcome, Diane. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Um, We're so excited to have Diane. It's been a long time coming. We've been trying to make this happen. Um, Diane, just a little bit about her. She is the voice behind the top-rated podcast, Minimalist Moms. Through her show, Diane shares her personal experiences and interviews inspiring guests who offer insights and tips on living a fulfilling life with less, which I love. I love that so much. I love that more than my husband would like me to love it. (laughs) A lot of his stuff ends up donated um (laughs) her ultimate mission is to encourage listeners to think deeply about what they truly need and to find ways to live with less and in addition to her successful podcast diane has also authored a book which released in march 2021 her words and advice have impacted those looking to simplify their lives and find more meaning in the things that matter most um diane resides in columbus ohio with her loving husband and three beautiful children so welcome we're so glad to have you Yes, like I said, I'm excited to talk to you. It has been a long time coming. We've been trying to get together both on your, my podcast and your podcast, so I'm glad that we're doing it. Yes, yeah, and so I will have an episode coming out on her podcast that may or may not have already come out by the time this releases and then vice versa, so um, I always think that's really fun to do, like a swap mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah. So, Diane, tell us a little bit about like your family and um just kind of the makeup of your the ages of your kids and all of that before we get started. Yes. So like you, I am a homeschooling mom. I homeschool my soon to be third grader, Charlotte. She is nine. I have a son, Martin. He's almost six. And then Benjamin's my almost four-year-old. So it is, um, what is it? Beautiful chaos over here. Yes. <laughs> but yes. yes. Yes, but um, yeah, I'm the host of the Minimalist Moms podcast. Like you said, I wrote the book Minimalist Moms, Living and Parenting with Simplicity. Um, all of this has been quite a shock because it wasn't what I necessarily set out to do. My degree is in English pre-education, 4th through 12th grade. Um, when we had our daughter, I kind of set that aside, figured I would just do the mom thing, and then I met someone that wanted to start a podcast. We came up with the idea of minimalism. She ended up stepping away two years into the podcast and I decided, hey, if I'm putting effort towards this, I should probably just kind of go hard, go strong and see what happens. And here we are like six years later and 
yeah, with the book and everything, it's just been kind of a surprise, but it's been really lovely to meet people and communicate with like-minded like women and just women of all sorts around the world. And you were one of them. So I'm excited to be here, like I said, and um, talk about minimalism. I love it. I love it so much. And I'm so, as a fellow writer, um, I'm so proud of you for getting a book published. And we'll definitely link to that in our show notes <laughs> so that everyone else can go and read your book. That is amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about just this idea, minimalist minimalism, and why it's important to you. Um, why you felt like you needed a podcast and a platform to talk about it for moms? Why? Mm -hmm. Why is it? Um, why is it so valuable? Yeah, I think when I started it, like I said, with my friend, it was curious because I was living in. I don't know, 850 square feet. And she was living in over 3000 square feet, but we both had this common bond and common pursuit of trying to live with less, but it's like, what does mm -hmm. it look like? Because we have very different lifestyles. So we felt like that was a connection that we had that we could share with women because everyone has different spaces and every it's going to look so different for everyone. So for me, minimalism or minimalist motherhood is really all about intentionality and it's about getting rid, I say this all the time, but it's about getting rid of what's superfluous in your life so you can make the space for the things that you truly love. So for my home, I don't have just bare, sparse walls. Some of the walls are that way, but I want to love everything that's in my home. And when I feel like, when my husband and I both feel like we don't love things any longer, it's time for them to go. And it's kind of similar to Marie Kondo. She says you should have things that spark joy. I feel the same way. I don't necessarily think everything like she does, but, um, yeah. yeah, I just think it's about intentionality and we have what we love in this space. And again, I know there's so many people doing the minimalism thing. And I think for me, I just try to be as, I don't know, as helpful and as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? reasonable as possible for someone that has three kids or has four kids. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, I 1000% feel the same way. Um, I'm very, very intentional about what we put up on our home, in our home and on our walls. And sometimes it'll drive my husband crazy because I'm like, no, that has no meaning to it. You know, like I don't, I don't have any sort of, um, like I, that's not worthy of a space on my wall if it doesn't have meaning to me, you know, um, I feel exactly the exact same way. I hate clutter. And so, um, I've always, I've always tried to live, um, in a, in an organized and a more, um, just a minimal space. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, Marie Kondo, um, I really latched onto that. I read her book. I watched her Netflix show. Um, mm -hmm. But it did feel really overwhelming as a mom of young kids because you just mm -hmm. – there is just stuff you accumulate when you have young kids. You have stuff around your house that you would not have otherwise, and it's beautiful and it's fantastic, but – toys are going to be you need toys because what else are your kids supposed to play with and you mm -hmm. need bottles and sippy cups and binkies and diapers and wipes and and you need the ugly baby swing in the corner you know so mm -hmm. um some of her stuff made me feel really overwhelmed and kind of like a failure in this category and so I love that you're out here 
um, sharing a message with moms that's actually attainable for them and something mm-hmm. that they can actually, you know, grasp onto and apply to their life. Um, and so a lot of our moms who are listening, they might feel really overwhelmed too by this idea of minimalism. They might be sitting right now folding giant piles of laundry and being like, oh my gosh, this is a giant mountain of stuff. Or they might be um, trying to, you know, a lot of our moms listen while they're running errands or doing chores or cleaning out their car. And they might be thinking, I am the opposite of a minimalist mom. Look at all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So what would you say just jumping in is the best way for moms listening who feel a little bit overwhelmed by minimalism um but they want to they want to take a crack at it like what's a first step what what's the mm-hmm. first thing they can do okay so i want to just quickly go back to our last question and say the reason that i feel like i wanted to have this platform and share my story was because i was quite the opposite of a minimalist but i'm living this lifestyle now and it is It is more attainable than you think. So therefore, going into your next question, where do we start? If we are looking at our house as a whole, especially if we've accumulated a lot of things, especially if we have four kids that are bringing things in, which they're going to do, they're their own beings, they have autonomy. Um, I always say start small, start in the bathroom. That is a place that doesn't have a lot of sentimental items in it that you might find overwhelming to start to clutter. If you're going to start with all the kids' clothes that you have in your basement, it's probably not a great space to start because you have attachment to those. And working through that is just going to feel daunting and overwhelming. And so I wouldn't start there. That's even hard for me to do, and I've been trying to pursue this type of a lifestyle for 12, 15 years at this point. So go to the bathroom. I pull everything out. And... I'm telling, I'm telling you things off the walls. I want it sparse. And then after 30 days, see what you missed and put it back in. Hmm. Um, so I would say build that momentum in the smaller spaces, but with every space that you are decluttering, you need to pull everything out. It's the same for your closet. When I started decluttering my closet, I don't know, maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, I had a friend come up. Well, first of all, I pulled everything out and I knew the things that I regularly wore, threw them back in there. And then I had a maybe pile and then I had for sure, this is, this is overstayed. It's welcome. So Mm -hmm. the maybe pile, I invited over a friend from work who was going to be very direct with me about things that would (laughs) not be the best fit or the best look on me. And then, um, I had my husband do it one more time because of course your husband's not going to necessarily give you the exact answer that you're looking for. Um, (laughs) so yeah. And then you do with, do with it what you will, but it's little things like this that I feel like it's kind of fun to declutter when you have someone else going through it with you. But Mm -hmm. again, staying away from things that are sentimental and then attacking those down the road when you've had that, those little wins under your belt and that you feel confident that you can do it. And if you are going to address those baby clothes, I will say I'm a big believer in exposure therapy and I have gone down to declutter my daughter's things. The first time it was really hard. The second time I got rid of a few things. The third time I got rid of so much more because it felt less, I just felt less attached to it. I felt like I had been away from that stage for longer than I originally had been. And so I think it's easier the more that you start to pursue it. I love that so much. And I think that's such a valuable <laughs> um, piece of advice too, to take everything out. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that I haven't really thought about. And now I'm like, oh, I need to go do that right now with my closet because it can be very overwhelming to sort through a space that already feels 
full and very mm-hmm. very overwhelming like taking everything everything out um i think that's a fantastic piece of advice you mentioned decluttering and i think this is something every mom wants to do um every mom's looking around thinking she needs to declutter and um but it just does feel so overwhelming not to mention the fact that when do we do this you know like when do we yeah. find the time because we are constantly go, go, go as moms from the second our feet hit the floor in the morning till the second our butt hits the bed at night. So um, I would love for you to just share some, um, you you speak a lot on decluttering wins, ways to kind of attack this. And I would love mm-hmm. for you to just offer some, some practical advice for these moms who are hoping to declutter their life a bit. Yeah. So I have a couple of quick rules that I try to live by. And then I'll tell you about, you mentioned how we don't have the time. So quick, quick wins that we can have the one second, one minute rule. So if there's anything that you can have done within one minute or less, so that's like hanging your clothes, but hanging, yeah, hanging your clothes back up, hanging your coat back up, washing off your dish at, at, um, at lunch, uh, get all these little things that will accumulate throughout your day, get them done right then and there so that you don't have it to do at the end of the day. No one wants to do that when we're exhausted at the end of our days. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And then I also like, um, to have every, everything has a home, everything that, um, I own has somewhere that it lives, even if it's the drunk drawer, I'm not opposed to it. If I know this belongs in the drunk drawer, um, but also if I'm going to get out tape because I have to mail something, I take the tape back. I'm not going to just leave it where I, on the countertop, I want to put it away. And I think just starting to live this way, it, it does become habit to where you're not having to overthink everything. Cause I think sometimes people will hear me speak and they're like, Oh, she must just be overthinking all day long. But it's like, no, this is just the way that I live at this point. So things like that. What else? Um, You may only have 15 minutes to do something, but I will write down my list of things that need to get organized. Um, Coat closet, pantry, uh, refrigerator, desk drawer, and you have 15 minutes to go through that. Again, pull everything out, assess what you have, put back what you know you're going to use, get rid of um, if you can't donate something and you need to toss it, sometimes you just have to rip the bandaid off and throw it away. So it's just a quick, again, a quick win. Um, But also... If you do that for 15 minutes and then you can get your husband or your kids on board with something, that 15 minutes is now 30 minutes or 45 minutes, depending on if you have older kids. So you can slowly make your way through your house. And I, I don't know, sometimes I can be really extreme and I want to just have an, an entire overhaul, but I also think that at that point you're pulling so many things out and that can seem daunting. So if we're just talking about an everyday person, I think that we need to just slowly move through our space and attack the spaces that do feel so overwhelming. We did talk about starting in the bathroom, but if there's a space that you're like, the entryway to my home is so um, overloaded with things and I feel like I can't walk in here, I can't breathe, the moment I come in, I'm just weighed down by clutter, address that space. Or if your kitchen counters are a total mess, clear that clutter off. Um, all, all your flat surfaces, you should be able to... I don't know. Visual clutter is just really overwhelming to me in general. So I think yeah. just keeping those spaces clean or another, those are some other good spaces to, I would say. I love that so much. Um, when you mention like organizing, um, you know, the junk drawer or mm-hmm. the coat closet or the pantry, um, what are some of your favorite ways to do that? 
your fridge, your pantry, things like that. Are there certain like products, go-to products that you use to help you with organizing? Are you um, like, what, what are some ways? Cause I, I know when I first went to organize my junk drawer, I, it was just chock full of stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. what in the world am I supposed to do to organize this? Like I need all of this stuff. Um, same with the pantry, same with the coat closet. It, those are kind of those spaces where it's like, I need all these things. How do I make mm-hmm. this feel more organized? Do you have any practical tips for that? So I would see, I would say you probably need less than you think, but also you can't organize clutter. So you have to declutter before you organize. And I think oftentimes people want to go to the container store or target and get all of these things to organize. And then it's like, I have all these bins but I don't know how to organize this or I don't even know where to Mm -hmm. start. So, um, I don't know. I would say if when you are, um, emptying out your pantry, there has to be something expired in there that we need to get rid of. There has to be something that even if it's three fourths the way full, if you haven't touched it in a month, are you going to actually touch it? You have to be honest with yourself. And I think that's a huge part of decluttering and just this lifestyle in general is, radical honesty with yourself. And sometimes we don't like what we have to say to ourselves, or sometimes we don't like what the answer might be, but that's okay. Cause number one, you're probably the only one that knows it, but even if you are debriefing with your husband, um, would you rather just stay stagnant or would you rather move through it? Like time's going to pass regardless. So if there's something that you've found in yourself, like, wow, I tend to overbuy maple syrup, not speaking from experience. Um, (laughs) You tend to buy something in bulk that you're like, wow, I can't believe I do that. And now this is expired. Um, Stop it. Stop accumulating and make a list. And again, you need less than you probably think you do. And I think that we're just not necessarily honest about some of the bad habits that we have. And one of them is accumulation and it's not even decluttering our spaces that we need to address, but it's like, I need to stop the clutter before it enters my front door. I need to stop accumulating. I need to stop my late night shopping habit. I need to stop shopping to keep up with the Joneses. I need to help my kids manage their clutter. I need to set visual boundaries in their room so that they don't become that so that they it doesn't backfire and they don't become hoarders, but also <clears throat> that they can manage their own things. So sorry, I've given you so many little like No, I love I it so helpful. much. Um what do you go into just expand a little bit more on what you mean by visual boundaries for our kids? Because mm. I feel like one of the hardest spaces for me to keep clean like I can keep my own room clean I can keep my kitchen and my living room clean but it is extremely hard for me to keep my kids room and my kids toy room um decluttered Mm -hmm. and um it's it feels like that's a second full-time job for me so when you Mm -hmm. say setting visual boundaries for our kids and helping our kids kind of get in on it um what what do you mean by that okay so visual boundaries For kids, I'm thinking specifically of my daughter's room. She has these bookshelves in her room that are up on the wall. And once those get filled, it's time to start pulling things down and either donating or, um, I don't know, maybe giving to a friend, swapping books with a friend. The same thing goes for her shelves. She only has a certain amount of shelf space. And then once that shelf gets filled up, it's like, okay, it's time to start reevaluating um, what you're bringing in. And it's, it's kind of a one in one out rule. I try to do that with my clothing, but with her, it's just, um, yeah, this space is starting to get filled. Let's start to go through it. And what don't you play with anymore? So again, she's almost nine and I don't, 
I don't want her not to be able to have the say over the things that she wants. Kind of like we talked about on, on my podcast when you and I recorded, like, this is just a season of, of time in my life and it's so short and to not allow them to bring in the really, um, neon colors are not necessarily for me, but like the big Mm -hmm. fluffy neon things that they bring Mm -hmm. in these days. (laughs) I don't want to not allow her to do that, but within perimeters of saying, this is the space that you can fill. And then it's time to like give to a friend or donate. And I think it gives, it gives them the opportunity to be generous. It gives them the opportunity to learn about, um, I don't know, situations that they don't find themselves in, um, just like for people that are less fortunate and you can have those conversations and open up those dialogues. But also if we are being realistic and I know that you're, it's all moms listening to your show. Um, don't be too hard on yourself. If your kids' rooms are areas that are a little bit more cluttered than the rest of your home, like control your clutter first and that will relieve some of the weight and then go into their rooms and help them with it. But don't necessarily start there and don't feel bad. I mean, I would say my daughter's room is probably worse than my son's rooms, even though they share just because she likes, she, she lives in a room. She loves her Mm -hmm. crafts. She loves her stuffy. She loves her scrubby scrubbies. Like we have a lot of, of things, but it's not forever. She's constantly saying, I don't play with this anymore. And then we're having to give it to my niece. Or again, those visual boundaries kind of help contain it a little bit more. I love that. And I love that you've taught her that. Um, And this is something that I struggle with with my kids is that they are very sentimental. I mean, I have a a little boy who, you know, we were getting ready to move. I knew we were going to get a new dining set when we moved. So we sold our other dining set. And when the new family came to pick it up and they loaded it in their truck, he sat at the window just wailing and crying. (laughs) He didn't want to say goodbye to our dining table. And he was a little kid, you know. So I have sentimental kids and I know a lot of moms do too. And I know sentimentality is something that you speak on a lot as far as decluttering. So both for our kids and for ourselves, how do we address um, those more sensitive things where we have our kids being really sentimental about toys and books that we know they don't need anymore, us feeling sentimental about things? How do you work through that? Yes. So I wouldn't say my kids are sentimental, so I might struggle a little bit with that advice, but for adults and we can help our kids through these processes. It's emotions, right? So, um, that's what we're here for. We're guiding them and trying to raise them up to be adults. So I would say with sentimentality, recognize it as an emotion and you, when you can get rational again, as an adult, you can say, this is a strong pull. However, this dining room table is a representation of memories that we had around it. And it's been so much fun, but you know what? We're going to have a new dining room table where we can have the memories and buddy, that's what you're sad about. You're sad that maybe you think we're not going to have memories anymore, or you really love that time together and we love it too. And we're going to create new memories. So like trying to spin it to maybe a positive thing in that moment you could have done, but also just remember you're not as adults. If you're getting rid of Again, going through my daughter's clothing, some of those little pieces, it's, she was my first baby and she Mm -hmm. was a girl and I was so excited to have a girl as my first baby, but like, I can't keep everything. If everything is your favorite, nothing is your favorite. And so you have to narrow it down to say, this is what I want to keep. And then everything else, I do have pictures of some of the more sentimental things, but that memory isn't gone because the item is gone. And so I think that um, 
I don't know. Hopefully those are some helpful tips. I also would say don't keep anything, like if we're just talking about adults now, don't keep anything out of obligation or guilt. I think oftentimes we're gifted something and it's like, oh, I don't want to keep this because my grandma gave it to me. But maybe if your grandma passed down many things to you, again, you can keep your very favorite things. And then remembering that in that moment when you had that interaction, that's what is precious precious and priceless to you. And it was to her too. And now the gift is yours and you can do with it what you will. So I think so much of decluttering and just the things that we accumulate is wrapped up in emotion and we have to untangle it because, um, I don't know, we could get really deep here, but I think society just ties us so deeply to our things, but also our things are also replaceable. And I feel like we're constantly just buying new things. So it's kind of weird that we feel attached to things, but then we're like Mm -hmm. replacing them. So I don't know. I feel like it's made me less attached to my things because I'm like, there's always something else that I want. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to fill the things that I want. So therefore I want nothing. (laughs) I don't know if it like No, I totally get what you're saying. And I totally feel Mm -hmm. you. Um, And this is kind of a point of discussion between me and my husband a lot because Almost every time we've moved, um, which has been three times now, I think, every, almost every single time we've moved, we've gone through all of our stuff and I've always been very like unattached. Like I'll be like, oh, well, you know, in this new house, I'd rather have a totally different piece of furniture here, a different type of decor here, or um, well, our kids' room will be different, so we'll get them a different type of bed or whatever it may be. Let's just get rid of this. Um, and my husband is he he's just a clinger and he knows this and um we joke and tease each other about this all the time and um but you know he he's very attached to things he's always like well why get rid of it if and then buy another one if we've already bought it like that would be a waste Mm -hmm. of money or um you know and (laughs) as you can see we're doing a video call him in my husband's office he's got I've told him, like, this is his space. He can have it be, like, very eclectic here. He can put a million things on the walls, um, which is so different from the rest of our house, which is very minimal. But um, so if if people are listening and maybe the person they run their home with, their spouse or their partner, um, doesn't see eye to eye on this and minimalism is not important to them or they they have a lot more things that they're more sentimental about or have a hard time getting rid of things do you have any advice for kind of coming together seeing eye to eye a way to kind of discuss it with your spouse or partner yeah absolutely so again like I said as you do um, if your kids aren't necessarily on board especially if they're teenagers and they have control over their own spaces help them if you can but with your spouse I think what you can best do is control the spaces that you are inhabiting so your closet maybe the bathroom maybe he has his part of the sink that's a little bit um, less tidy if you will Um, but for my husband and I we have said this space is yours, your workshop in the basement. You can do whatever you want with this space. This is your space, kind of like your husband's office. And that's not my space. I'm not responsible to clean that space, but, um, I don't know if you have authority over how you want it to look, but in the mutual shared spaces in our house, there are five people living here. So what kind of, um, compromises are we going to make? But also I feel, I feel very strongly about this as a stay at home mom Um, I'm the one that's mostly in our space. We have Mm -hmm. like 1100 square feet that we're inhabiting. And so to me, I had to have the conversation of, Hey, 
I'm here majority of the day. So I kind of want the authority to say, this is how I want to design the space. And you can have the the lawn, like mm-hmm. you can design the landscaping however you want to. You have your giant shed out in the backyard. You have your workspace, mm-hmm. you have your closet, like you have your spaces. But if I'm mostly existing here and managing our household, if that's my main responsibility, then I feel like you can have that honest conversation. Maybe you have to go to therapy and counseling to work through that. Maybe your <laughs> husband is really resistant. I'm not opposed to that either. But I think that if you can't communicate that honestly with your husband, um, you should feel confident in doing so. And you can do it in a place of humility. But um, yeah, I think living by example, allowing, not allowing, they're grown men, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Giving them the spaces um, that they want to inhabit. And then if you need to have that conversation, then that's okay too. So I, I know that is really hard though. My husband was actually a minimalist before I was. So, so that's um, helpful. It's been, yeah, it's been a huge blessing for sure. But No, I love um, <laughs> I love that advice because I think oftentimes, um, especially I've struggled with this kind of like a problem isn't solved until we both agree, until we're both thinking the same way and seeing eye to eye on it. And I just think that that's not always true. And sometimes you do just need to say like, I'm going to do it this way in my space and you're going to do it that way in your space. And I'm going to release that from my mind (laughs) and not Mm -hmm. worry about what your office or your shed or your side of the sink looks like. So um, Mm -hmm. I think that's excellent advice. Um, so speaking of kind of releasing things from our mind, I feel like, um, something else that you often speak to is kind of aside from decluttering things, you know, decluttering, um, mental energy, decluttering relationships, decluttering things like that. You mentioned, um, before we started recording decluttering friendships. Um, I would love you to speak a little bit on that as well, because I think another part of being minimalist is also at least for me, my mind is cluttered too. A lot of the time I have a lot going on. My relationships are cluttered. Um, um, so I would just love for you to speak on that for a little bit. Yeah. It's so funny. I was on a podcast and some, someone used it as like a sound grab or whatnot, whatever you say it. And someone commented, this girl decluttered her friends. Oh my gosh. Like they were just shocked (laughs) that that was the phrase that I used. Okay. I didn't declutter my friends necessarily. I, was feeling extremely overwhelmed by the amount of women that I found in my life. And, um, I was also, I, it was right after I had my, I think my second, maybe it was my third. It's foggy at this right now. Anyways, I wrote down everyone that I was interacting with. I wrote down every single person's name and I was like, okay, who do I want to see on the regular? Meaning like every week or two, I need to put these in top my top tier, T-I-E-R. Mm-hmm. These are in tier one. In tier two, I put down the women that I wanted to see like every couple of months, no more than three months. Mm-hmm. Put those down. Mm-hmm. And then in the third tier were women that I no longer had that deep connection with. Even though they once were extremely special to me, these were roommates. These were very close friends for a season, but it felt like when we would connect, it was just very surface level or just... I don't know. I I just felt like I couldn't put the energy there anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was mutual. It wasn't, it wasn't some, yeah, I would just say it was mutual. Yeah. So anyways, I never had a conversation with any of these people. It was just kind of some mental, 
I guess, work that I did and, and helped me to kind of clarify where I wanted to start spending my energy because my friendships are so important to me. And even mm-hmm. those women in tier three, like I love them dearly. And mm-hmm. uh, my thing about that was if they wanted to get coffee and I had the time, of course, I would love to see you. But it was like, I can't commit all of this energy into all of these people. I want to really focus in on the women that are in my community and, um, that we're both living and doing life together. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that well when you are so, we split so many different ways. And so I just really wanted to invest in a handful of women and vice versa and live life together. And so that's, that was extremely helpful for me. And again, maybe that makes me a jerk that I actually sat down and wrote people's names down. Yeah, but it was really, it was one of the biggest game changers in my schedule because then I was like, oh, I know who I want to try and reach out to. And again, it wasn't that you were going to totally write off those people in tier three and maybe they're going to come back in to your life at some point. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like when my kids are older and I have more time, but I just know that my time is limited. If you're adding in date nights, mental um, time for margin in your day and rest, you have very little time to go out with your friends. And so... I don't know. It was helpful. (laughs) No, I actually think that is so helpful. In my mind, as you were talking about it, even went the direction of, um, you know, and maybe you don't struggle with this as much. Maybe you do. But um, a lot of women, because we're emotional, because we're empathetic, because we are um, caring individuals, um, we, I think we worry a lot about relationships. And Mm -hmm. at least I have spent a lot of mental energy quite often, like, is this person happy with me? Is that person happy with mm-hmm. me? Have I made that person feel loved? Did I respond to that person? Did did I upset this person? Did I say something that would bother this person? And mm-hmm. um, it started to get very, very overwhelming for me at one point as well. And I started um, just realizing how much of my mental energy each day was spent worrying about different relationships and um, even including familial relationships, people that I'm related mm-hmm. to. Um, or that my husband is related to. And I think I didn't ever realize that this was a form of decluttering until you talked about this today. But at one point, my husband was like, you really need to stop worrying about all of these people. Because just every night at the end of the night, he'd be like, so what's on your mind today? And it would just be forever about like all the things I was worried about, all the people I was overthinking about. And at one point, I said, I need to just write down you know, the people where I really, really do actually care what they think. It actually does affect Mm -hmm. my day-to-day life that, that we have a good relationship. And then Mm -hmm. I need to actually physically like release everybody else from my mind. And Mm -hmm. it was so like freeing and helpful for me to do that. And, Mm -hmm. um, I never thought of it as like a form of decluttering until you just said that. But I think, Like, it's even just for time's sake, like you said, like, as moms, we're so busy, we barely have enough time for our kids to feel close to us each day, for our spouse to feel like we're connecting on a regular basis. That's, heaven knows that that's one of the hardest things to keep up on. And then Mm -hmm. we have all these friends, and then we have family, and we have our parents and our siblings, and um, we have our neighbors and our community too. And so the list goes on and on. And, um, I think what you just shared is like life changing because if we can really, um, compartmentalize like how much time and energy we're going to spend on different relationships, 
it almost mm-hmm. just opens up room to spend more time on those more valuable relationships rather than thinking yeah. of it as like a loss. Yes, absolutely. And again, I want to show up as my friendships are just so, so important to me. And, um, I don't want to be a bad friend to people. I want to show up being the best friend that I can be to someone. And if I'm just kind of not super invested, but we're just, oh, it's, let's have a park play date and just kind of say like, oh yeah, my marriage is, uh, it's just kind of okay. But like, you don't have time to like go in there and go deep. I don't know. I just really like going deep with people. Um, but yeah, I just felt like, I want to be a good friend to you and I can't be a good friend to you anymore. And, um, you don't deserve that. Like you don't deserve that in your life. You deserve people that really invest in you. And I can't right now because you live however far away or like, I only see you every so often. So it was just like, I'm, as you said, I'm going to release that, leave the door open for that in the future, not shutting that door, but just saying like, this is where my, my focus is now. And it's these people that I mostly are in certain ways just there because of where we're at. It's like, oh, it's the little, it's the the mom of the little boy at, at Martin's kindergarten. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I love that so much. I think that's fantastic advice. And I too love to have, you know, fewer but deeper relationships in my life it's quality over quantity right and I think Mm -hmm. um, that can also help a lot of mom loneliness I think a lot of moms Mm -hmm. will see stuff online like oh these big groups of women getting together this moment to this party or you know different things like that but it's important to remember like keeping your circle small um, but keeping it you know high quality um, I think Mm -hmm. will actually impact your life for the better more than (laughs) more than anything else Yeah, absolutely. And I would just say I'm very extroverted, so this isn't necessarily an issue that I've had, but I will say I have been at a playground. I've had seasons in my life right after I had my daughter and I'd be at a playground and I'd start chatting with someone and I really liked her and I would just be like, Hey, can I, here's my number or like, Hey, can Mm -hmm. I get your number? We should do this again. And I will say, I think most of us want that. Mm -hmm. Like if someone is feeling a little bit, if they're more introverted, I would just challenge you to, to ask for a number or to say hello or to try and figure out how you can join into something going on because women want connection. Like we love it. A lot of us are starved for it. And so, and honestly, if it doesn't go well, whatever, then you're not going to see her again. And it is, it's just something that you can release, but it could be a really good friend. One of my good friends, we met at a library story time, just happened to overhear something she was talking about that I related to. I chimed in and we're, we're great friends to this day. So I don't know. I I just think that women want connection. Yeah. Yeah, if you're the one to reach out, if you have that thought or that courage to kind of be the one to reach out. Um, I said this before on past episodes, we've talked about mom friends a lot, that um, every mom is, like you mentioned, um, wanting connection and waiting for connection. Mm -hmm. Every mom's a little bit scared of rejection, but at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, no one's going to reject you. Everyone's going to be super grateful if you take the time Mm -hmm. to reach out. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, excellent advice. Um, Diane, this has been so great. Um, is there anything else that you want to throw out? Um, you know, a lot of our moms are in the trenches, like we've talked about before they're in these early years. They, a lot of moms say they feel like they're drowning right now in motherhood. Um, what would be like, maybe you're just kind of your last piece of encouragement or advice for these moms? Yeah, 
I guess just to summarize the past few things that we said, um, if you are going to start decluttering your home, start in the space that you feel most overwhelmed at, overwhelmed by, start to declutter the overwhelm in your life. And maybe that is friendships. Maybe that is the front entryway. Maybe that is, maybe it is that you have way too many things going on for your kids and you need to cut something back and each kid just gets one activity. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just need margin in your, in your schedule to go on a walk or to rest and you need to have that conversation with your husband. But I think that I've, recognized over the past few years that time is going to pass regardless if and again as I said at one point don't stay stagnant like act and and you'll feel so much better for it I don't know I think again that's getting really honest with yourself about what your needs are and what your kids and your family's needs are but um I just would hate for people to waste time because we're not necessarily guaranteed tomorrow so it's really important to me such a good point and some good little nuggets there at the end I love the idea of decluttering your schedule too like I feel like that's a whole nother episode (laughs) so um they they can they do need to come and find you all of our listeners go and find Diane go and find her podcast um because I'm sure she just has so many more ways you can declutter your life and you can get so many more insights than what you've gathered here today so um before I last ask you our last little question tell our moms where they can come and find you Yes. So on Instagram, it's at minimalist moms podcast, minimalist moms podcast on anywhere you listen to podcasts. My book that I wrote, same name, minimalist moms living and parenting with simplicity. And I will say, I do try to speak not just to minimalism, but a lot of what you heard on today's podcast, intentionality, simple living. Um, I have Christian episodes. I have non-Christian episodes. Those are typically bonus episodes, but I try to have a wide variety to touch, um, all all women's lives in any way that I can so yeah I love that so much I'm 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 gonna go order your book right now is it on Amazon uh it is and probably anywhere that you can get books I think I don't I feel like it might be on Kindle as well so perfect perfect well I'll go find a link to that too and put it in our notes so everyone can go and buy your book I'm all about supporting um supporting moms who are writers so everyone go buy this book um, so our question that we ask all of our guests at the end of the show, um, and I, I didn't tell you before, cause I love it when it's just the first, the first thing that comes to your head is that we always ask our, our guests to just describe themselves as a mom in three words, which is the first three that come to your mind. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> first three that come to my mind. I would say I'm fun. I do think I'm fun. I will say that I'm loyal. I know that's weird to say because I have a three-year-old, but I feel like I'm very loyal. (laughs) Um, And supportive. I think I'm very supportive. I want to support my kids and what they want to do. Encouraging. I don't know. (laughs) All of of these things. I, I... I hope that I'm a good mom. I think some days I'm I'm not as great, but hopefully most days I encompass those words. Okay. The last one actually cut out. Can you say it one more time? Oh, it yeah. was a little choppy. Oh, cool. Oh, no, you're fine. So you got fun. What did I say? Fun, loyal. supportive, and you didn't get – oh, loyal. And then I said supportive. Supportive. I would say that I'm supportive, and I hope to support my kids and the visions that they have for their lives. I, I – just want them to do whatever it is that they want to do and encourage them in those ways. Perfect. 
I love it. Well, go find our fun, loyal, supportive, minimalist mom, Diane. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mamahood podcast. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. This was great.